Greetings and welcome to you all. This is Chief Yuya, and you are listening to the Chief Yuya podcast. And uh, this this belated session, I want to build with the uh, the notion and the concept of family. Uh, you know, and in particular, blood family, or what some would call your biological family or your natural family, and and how they fit into the whole scheme of your spiritual and your cultural ascension. You know, a lot of times, uh, probably many of you have heard me say before that family is the worst thing going. Uh, And I'm going to explain a bit of that in this session. And, uh, you know, for some of you, it probably needs very little explanation because you've already lived out uh, some of the experiences that are associated with that idea of sometimes family being, I didn't, well, I don't say sometimes, but family being the worst thing going when it comes time for you to really start to walk and live in um, what you've learned and what you're deciding to become the root and the dedicated points of your consciousness. So, you know, when we are traveling through this road, we have uh, our spiritual family that we usually begin to take on Sometimes we even take on a cultural family. And then we also have our biological or our natural or our blood family. And sometimes it gets very difficult to figure out how to mate the two together. And in particular, a lot of times the the biggest challenge is how do I mate my blood family, my biological family with my newfound discoveries? You know, this place that I want to go in. Uh, for many people, and I, you know, I speak to uh, through sessions and stuff, you know, there's always this immediate desire to save, you know, to share the information that, that they've been learning with their blood family and to somehow save them or redeem them out of the activities and the behaviors that they have decided to um, devote themselves to. You know, um, and or some of the systems that they've decided to rely upon. And one of the first things I'll often say is, you know, what position are you in to save anyone? You know, have you saved yourself? And what does it truly mean to be saved? You know, saved from what exactly? So sometimes those are the points that you need to look at and, and some of the questions that you have to ask yourself when you have that that question, because you may not necessarily be at the stage of development that you imagine yourself being or you've presupposed yourself to be. But, um, you know, there was several reasons why I wanted to speak on this. One, because it comes up often, but also right now within uh, the Anu uh, womb ministry, they're doing a a call, uh, and it's surrounding, or I should say a, a study more so than a call. They're just kind of convening with the call. But they're doing a study around uh, the work that I did, Solutions for Dysfunctional Family Relationships, uh, which is a book about um, cross, cross-cultural cross uh, bonding, you know, what happens as an effect of cross-cultural bonding. And uh, basically when we're mating and we're joining in a very reckless fashion because we're we're solely pursuing our attractions or, or solely pursuing our urges. Sometimes it's not even that we're attracted to the people that we end up mating with. Sometimes we just have a strong urge towards them. And um, that level of mating devoid of consciousness 
uh, obviously it creates some problems. So with that particular work, you know, I, I get into um, courting just to a small degree, you know, some of the qualifications to look for in a mate, some of the questions to ask of a mate, um, what a more ideal situation looks like in mating, and sometimes um, some problematic scenarios that I'm sure many can relate to. So they're doing a study on that. And, of course, that's not necessary. It's not totally related to the same sort of idea of coming into consciousness or awakening into an active consciousness, you know, in a convicted consciousness. Because, like I say, everyone is conscious, really. But it's different when you're convicted by what you consciously uh, now become in tune with and you decide now that, okay, it's time to govern my life you know, and my relationships based on those things that I've observed. And let's start now trying to bridge the gap between, you know, my my cognition and my conduct. All right. So, uh, of course, it's it's slightly different, but still related because dealing with family and some of the, the struggles and the challenges that we go through uh, with our blood family. So the first thing to understand you know, when it comes to your blood family, you need not necessarily always discard them. You know, a lot of times people are very triggered by things that their family will say um, in regards to their growth, because usually family, your blood family, your biological family or your natural family, they're your, usually they're your biggest antagonist. And partly because they know you and they, and when I say know you, they know the old you. You know, and they're often, you know, trying to pull you back into that space, you see. But the thing to realize is that um, that natural family or that blood family is the nest uh, in where you begin. You know, so through the trials and and through maybe even some of the the criticisms and those different things that you may have gone through uh, with that particular family, they began to build a capacity within you, you know, um, sometimes, like I said, not only through the, through the antagonisms, but, um, you know, sometimes your development came as a product just of, of what your family was, you know, what they were, what you grew up inside of, you know, possibly you didn't have parents who were responsible, or maybe you had some trouble with your blood siblings and things like that. So as a result, um, it began to, began to shape your thoughts and your beliefs, which eventually led you up to this moment where you are now. And I'm going to give the disclaimer as well as I'm moving forward. I'm only talking to our new people. You know, everyone can listen. You know, you're, you're welcome to do that. But I can't certify anyone else's development into anything else. So if someone says, yeah, I, I'm, I'm conscious or I'm woke. You know, I started watching videos and stuff like that. I'm woke. I, I'm not certifying that. I'm only certifying those who have come into um, this ministry of Anu Life Global Ministries. And you'll understand, I'm not even talking to all of them because everyone who who's um, come closer to the ministry or even signed up is not necessarily Anu. No different than how I tell you. I have over 3,000 registered students, but I actually only have about four students, three or four students, three or four real students. And what that means is I only have about three or four, well, maybe more, 
let me let me let me be honest, maybe about five or six true disciples. So there's a big difference. You know, a disciple means someone who's taken the discipline of a doctrine on. You know, so there's only a few who can really say that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and you'll understand why as we go forward, what what some of that means. So um, that discipleship, it holds true or it's present even when you're going through your stages of development and you find yourself now kind of maybe realizing that your natural family may may no longer have some of the tools that are needed to raise you up. And um, like I said, beyond your, your blood family, you have what's called a spiritual family often. And um, what they're doing is they're taking you through your your next level, your next phase of infancy. You know, uh, when you come truly into awareness, you know, at that what we would call like the threshold stage, what happens is that um, there's a part of you that dies. You know, if not the majority of you dies and you die to what the world represented and provided you previously. And from that death now, a new person should be reborn. It's like when you hear people say, uh, or like Miss Melody said in the self-destruction song, you know, I'm Miss Melody and I'm a born-again rebel, right? So being born again into a new reality, into a new teaching, and and onto a new path now creates a new person, as it should. But it, it creates that person in increments. And it creates the people around them who they would now call their family also incrementally. All right. So um, if you begin as that silent child, you know, then you actually can take on the new the new teachings. But um, <clears throat> if you have this conception in your mind that you are entering, you're dying from one reality and entering into another, but you are mature enough when you go into that second phase of your existence, then you'll really just end up disappointed because a lot of times individuals who have that kind of thinking, um, what it is that that creates that is really ego. So, you know, they say they come into awakeness, they come into consciousness, but they have they're not coming in as infants. They're not coming in really ready to learn or really ready to, to change and grow. They're coming in with a pseudo maturity that says, I've already learned enough. And now I'm in this next environment to just enact on uh, what I have learned. And that always leads to some really serious consequences because what happens is you're dealing with people who think they know things that they don't know, you know, and it leads to those mistakes. And sometimes people find themselves in a very precarious position because they can't admit that they don't know something. But an infant has no problem admitting that they don't know. They're not really supposed to know. They're they're very new to things. You know, uh, I think I, I shared, I gave the example once of me being in a, in a martial arts um, class uh, many, many, many years ago. And we were going through some trainings and stuff like that. And I, I think I had stubbed my my finger or something like that. And um my instructor at the time was like, Oh, don't worry about that. You'll you'll that that won't happen again. It's just that you don't know how to fight. Right? Now, 
I, I up until that point, I've I've had plenty of fights. Um, been inside of other trainings, been inside of other class, had you know fights that were um, structured, you know, via sparring, and also just had fights that were a result of being a young man coming up in a you know in an environment where there's a lot of aggression. So um, I never looked at myself as not knowing how to fight. In fact, I was known for knowing how to fight, <laughs> you know. But when my instructor said that, I completely accepted it. Okay, I don't know how to fight, you know, because I'm in this environment here and I've whatever I was doing before was a part of what I needed to be here. It, that was a part of my graduation and my movement towards this thing. And I can't bring that old mind, that matured, what we'll call the old man, even though I wasn't an old man. I'm not an old man now, but I wasn't an old man then. But, you know, that that matured, that that aged and archaic ego that says, I know what I need to know and I'm just coming here to maybe get a little bit of extra to add on to what I have. So then I'm unteachable in that moment. You see, so when I stubbed my finger, I think it was a finger stub or something. It was a long time ago, but <clears throat> excuse me, when I injured myself in that way and my instructor said, oh, well, don't worry about it. You don't know how to fight. You know, it was like, okay, you know, so I'm I'm here to learn. I'm, I'm here to learn how to fight and whatever I've done before is, is, is you know, it's, it's only relevant in the sense that it was a stage that I went through to get here where I could start over, you know, so... Um, when you truly know something or you really truly have the wisdom of something, it's it really becomes pervasive throughout your aura. And you don't really need to make so many egoic stances as people tend to do or so many egoic proclamations about who you are or who you were because it becomes very obvious. You see, again, one of the reasons why I don't really focus on titles and things like that because the value and the strength of your title should come through via your aura, you know? So what happens is that when you start to realize that you've gone through another birth or rebirthing, you know, or, or you become like, you know, I'm the born again rebel, as Miss Melody said, um, you realize that now you need a, a, a greater um, quality of relationship and the people that you put yourself around um, not only do you need people who are dedicated to you, like your teachers and your guides and things like that, um, but you also need to be devoted and dedicated to yourself. And you need to be surrounded by individuals who are willing and have the capacity to completely devote themselves to you. You see, now that's a big one. And, you know, Again, it begins with the devotion that you that you have for yourself, you know, and your desire to have a greater quality of relationships. Now, that's when you start to form and, and start to matriculate into what we would call a spiritual family. And those who are looking to grow and to evolve and they're exploring just like like you are. And it's always important to understand that. um, the individuals that come along and come into your path, you have an unseen spiritual family, you have a seen spiritual family. You know, um, in the Yoruba tradition, we might call that the Egbe, that unseen community, you know, 
um, that mirrors itself in, in the unseen realm, that other dimension. But nonetheless, um, those who start to come into your path that are, you know, we'll say seekers, you know, similar to you, who start to form that, that small grouping of family, because it's always going to be small in the beginning because, you know, you're, you're, you're an infant, you know, so you don't necessarily take an infant or a baby and put them in the mix with, with 500 people. You know, typically an infant is only going to know about four or five people tops, you know, um, typically. You know, sometimes some people have bigger families, but I think you get the, the understanding. Their their environment and their world is pretty small, and so their, their capacity for knowledge forces more exploration and more expansion. So <clears throat> that family that begins to be called to you by the ethers now becomes those individuals that you will be able to develop a reliance on in future times. And your success and your failures are intrinsically linked to one another. Another key piece, you know, when you're developing that spiritual family, you realize that you need each other, you know, and this is the relationship that you had been looking for but you weren't able to really have until you were willing to be born again. You see, because sometimes you'll you'll come in contact with someone like that and you'll start to feel, you know, maybe there's a spark or an ember of a possibility of a relationship like that, but you haven't gone through your rebirth. So as a result, you're actually really not ready for it and you start to process it as something that it's not. You know, so... Um, Sometimes people will infuse a whole lot of romanticism in it and they'll they'll infuse a whole lot of intimacy and they'll get confused or even attraction and not realize that it's a much it's a much greater uh, form of relationship, you know, and because you're now calling upon or you're beckoning or you're yearning for that spiritual connection and that spiritual family, your relationship with your blood family begins to change, you know. And one of the reasons that the relationship with the blood family changes is because you're changing. And the things that they were able to provide for you in your first infancy, in your first, you know, um, formative years, they can no longer provide for you because now you're calling on something greater. So what happens now is that the creator now creates distance. Olokun, creates distance distance between you and your blood family. And that distance is necessary because what it does is it gives you enough space apart in order for you to start to, to cultivate a new freedom so you can start things new, so you can begin things on this second birth. Because a lot of times when you're still, um, and I'll, I'll say you have this closeness emotionally or mentally, or even physically, it becomes very difficult to to cultivate these new thoughts that are coming and take this new breath, you know, that's trying to fill your lungs. Because, again, you have all of those uh, very immediate influences, if you will. <clears throat> so one of, one of the important things where sometimes people, they, they pride themselves in is the rejection of their blood family. And I typically tend to tell people not to do that. You shouldn't deny your family or, you know, your blood family or 
reject your family because you got to understand that, um, like you hear me sometimes, even as the book Solutions for Dysfunctional Relationships, you hear me talk about the launch pad or the springboard, right? So even if you're springing into greatness or you're springing into this wonderful destiny that, you know, awaits for you, whether you know it or not, regardless of anything, it is that that originating family, that blood family, that's the the base, you know, or the launch pad that you sprung from. So you always want to keep that in mind. And it doesn't mean that you have to show them all this, this great um, reverence. Because sometimes you, you, you got it. Sometimes you have to, you have to get away from it. Right? Sometimes that's just what it is. But it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, creating that distance, maintaining that distance, maintaining that sanctification and that set apartness doesn't mean necessarily that you reject them. It doesn't necessarily mean that you deny them and who they are. But you make a, a distinction, again, between my the origins where I came from, my blood family and my natural family, because it's just like when you look in nature, you know, you have birds that come out of a certain nest. There's an experience of nesting. But in nature, typically, you don't have the same um, filial love that you have with um, in, in, in humans. You know, meaning that you don't usually have the same relationship between parents and child that you have after the child develops to the point that they can fend for themselves. There's not this, this in, in most cases, there's not this lifetime responsibility that the parent feels that they have or the child feels they have towards the parent in nature. Okay? So there's this idea that once I leave the nest, then now I have to embark on my own journey, or, or as they say, pun intended, I have to spread my wings in that sense, you know. So, <clears throat> but it's always important to realize that it's that blood family that helped to get you where you were. And whether they got you there through connection or disconnection, through pain, you know, or through affection and adoration, you know, or through from, from errors or, or from truth, you know, whatever the problems are or whatever the great things were, it helped you and it gave you the um, opportunity and a chance to develop what your character is and to develop your capacity for integrity, which now helps you to be reborn into this next thing. So when you're reborn into that next experience, of course, now you're locating um, a new network of relationships you know, you're, and you're, you're locating a new foundation that is representative and portrays what your future and your fate is or your destiny is. So that, that new launch pad now reflects, okay, well, this is where I'm going now. So it's not like you're abandoning a foundation and never developing a foundation again, but what it is is that you're locating a new foundation. So now you just have another springboard or another platform, if you will, to, to launch from. And a lot of times during that period between the movement from your blood family to your spiritual family, you'll have certain individuals and experiences and maybe even spiritual um, energies that will come into your life for a short period. And it's a transition period. <clears throat> That's why you find a lot of people who speak about coming into higher awareness, oftentimes the person 
or the situation or the institution that helped them to come into higher awareness, they're no longer connected to. You know, usually it's like, yeah, I was I was with this group for a year. I was with this group for two years, whatever it is. And then I saw this or I discovered that and I went over here. Right. So there's a there's a period of transition that tends to happen. And you might find yourself having these very intimate and and close knit relationships with certain people but they still kind of seem to be temporary. And that's because what's happening is that those individuals are serving as a catalyst. And what they're doing is is they're stimulating that potential for you to cross that bridge, <laughs> you know, that chasm between your old life and your, and your new rebirthing, you see. So um, what happens also, you know, sometimes during that stage, and when you finally stand on that threshold of your rebirthing, you'll find people who are in very similar um, situation as you or in a very similar stage of development that you are. Um, and here's a very tricky one. Here's a very, very tricky one. And I'll get in why, you know, into why discernment is very important because sometimes you'll meet people who are at that stage like you are, but you're going to meet a lot of people who think they're at that stage. But in truth, they're not. That's the big one. That's the really big one. You know, and sometimes when you're first being born again, just like any infant, any child, you don't necessarily have the aptitude and the filtering for that level of discernment to really be able to see. So you come out of something and you have a certain story and sometimes maybe what you came out of, there's some pain associated with that. And via that pain, you bond and you assume because you can bond via your pain, you're also bonding at the same time via the truth that's now coming alive in you. And often that's just not the case at all. You know, this is this is highly prevalent. You see, like in a lot of. Um, places where you have women's ministries. Very tricky. Very, very tricky to have a woman's ministry. It's a lot of work. And I'm going to tell you why. Because women tend to galvanize themselves together over trauma. And not necessarily over truth, but just over trauma. And I'm I'm going to address that at, an, at another time. Um, but sometimes those, that bonding, that sisterhood, that's developed over our pain becomes, and not, oh, I'm not a woman, but becomes the entire experience. That's all that's really discussed. That's all that's really looked at. And if truth is introduced and it triggers a pain choice or pain reaction, then, you know, now it becomes shunned in that environment. So it's very tricky. Like I said, sometimes you'll, you'll meet certain people and they seem like they're where you're at, but they're not really, really where you're at. Um, <clears throat> and that can, you know, that can throw people off pretty heavily. Um, it's it's also important to understand, too, that, you know, talking about that truth, when you become renewed or reborn or re- regenerated as, as a child again, your very attendance, <laughs> uh, it brings a, a, a level of condemnation 
to individuals who are still saturated in divine disobedience. You know, and when I say divine disobedience, disobedience against the divine, you know. Uh, so a lot of times, yes, that is your blood family. That may be your friends that you came up with, where who you all had um, certain aspirations together. You were striving for the same things at one point, and you went through a stage of development, or you may have had an experience where now you moved, you've moved beyond that, or you've birthed beyond that, and they're still on that. So um, a lot of times, where you're going and where you're growing to is where they should be going to. But they refuse. They refuse to grow. They they refuse to go to the next the next stage. They refuse to climb the chain, Obatala's chain that he drops down to save everyone when Olokun wants to flood the waters. Well, to go up that chain, you got to climb. You know, you remember some of us had to climb that that rope in gym class. How difficult that was. You know, but if you kept working on it, your back muscles would get strong enough and your core would get strong enough where you could make it up there if you continue to work on it. Right. You know, but some I don't I got a note. (laughs) I'm sitting in the bleachers today or I don't have my gym clothes today. I'm going to sit on the sidelines. So what happens? They're watching you climb, watching you climb. They may even be cheering you on to a degree. But as they start to see your physique change as a result of your effort, it starts to condemn them. They feel that immediate judgment. Man, I should have I should have did that or I should have heeded that call. Why did I quit? Why did I give up? So now your presence becomes an irritation to them. And that's a very important thing to, because sometimes now your blood family will start saying some of the cruelest things to you and you won't really know where it's coming from. You know, a lot of times um, if you slip up, you know, if you make a mistake or if you kind of um, in some ways mm, maybe don't totally represent what, what you say that you're about, it's going to be those old individuals from your old life who will be the very first ones to judge you. And the reason being is because their desire is to pull you back and to yank you back into the old you. You see, um, sometimes they'll they'll let you, they'll watch you get into certain situations that would aggravate you in order to see the old you come out. I had a great experience like that one time, many years ago, very quick. Well, there was someone in my, some of you know, I used to own a barbershop. And there was someone in the barbershop who, let's just say, it's to be real quick about it, it, he did something he wasn't supposed to do. I let him know they couldn't do that in there. And he like, you know, he had had literally just come home from jail that day. And, you know, he, he had to prove and show everyone that, that he just came home from jail and he was, you know, he had a certain energy that was still present in him. And um, we were literally on two different sides of the barbershop and his his team was over there with him. And unbeknownst to him, my team was over there with me. He just thought I was some barber in the barbershop, not realizing that, one, I was the owner, but also... Um, you know, I always made sure that I had a measure of defensive protection uh, with me when I was in that environment. And then I also had um, uh, very close uh, teammates or family members, I would say, that form of family I had at that time, who also always had a form of protection, defensive protection with them. You know, so um, when he started to um, kind of 
make it clear that if I continued to admonish him, uh, he was going to, you know, respond <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a violent manner. Um, the individual who I was cutting at that time, I was cutting his hair, jumped out of his chair and just, you know, pretty much made it clear that he needs to stop. And in fact, he's got to leave that that area of the city immediately. <clears throat> and he was really upset about it. And I remember somebody telling me later, he was like, yeah, you know, so-and-so was really upset about what happened in the barbershop. And he was saying, you know, because you're doing a lot of positive things, you know, you're really trying to, um, you're really modeling something positive. Let's just put it that way. So he didn't want to see you get into a situation with this person and take it to the level that he's aware that you'd be willing to take it to and jeopardize the things that you have here. You know, so sometimes you'll, you'll have those. And, and this individual was on his own journey. You know, he was developing it. He was growing, you know, um, which I found out as a result of that incident when we when we talked, you know, and, and he was sharing some things with me, you know, so. Um, sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll have that before, but a lot of times you'll have people cause there were other individuals who I knew who were just sitting and watching because they wanted to see me perform in a certain way. They were, I can almost see them licking their lips and excitement and their eyes lighting up knowing what I was getting ready to probably do, which I probably would have if no one had step forth because I was given very little choice at, at that point you know so <clears throat> again um, that's the that's the kind of behavior that they'll have at first around you you know always trying to pull you back into an old model of who you are and it, for you it, it may not be something like what it was for me for you it may be food <laughs> you know I know you want some of this come on smell it, it smells good doesn't it you know it may be a, a drink it may be a smoke you know, it may be a conversation about things that you've kind of made it clear. I'm not really interested in, in it in anymore. Or, you know, um, well, let's talk about the president. Let's talk about the impeachment. Let's talk about politics. Things that you've kind of said, that's not a part of, of my new world. That's not a part of my new birth. These are the things that I'm focusing on. They want to continually bring out that old you because it makes them more comfortable and it removes that feeling of condemnation. Right. And. That's a period, you know, because then what happens if you continue to keep moving and you continue to stay steadfast, what ends up happening is that soon they don't want you to come around anymore. <laughs> they don't want to be in, in, in your presence. They don't want you in attendance. You don't get the invites to certain things. You know, there's a, there's a period where it stops when you're truly dedicated and devoted to what you're saying you're doing. As long as you're kind of not or you're lukewarm, you got one foot in that or one foot in Anu and one foot out of Anu, <clears throat> they'll always continue to come to you. They're very comfortable around you. You know, but the truth is when you're when you're filled with the righteousness and, and, and the protocol and the culture and the laws of this new way of being that we call Anu, there's a certain there's a grace. There's a boldness and there's a happiness that takes over you. You might find yourself just, you know, smiling and, and speaking a little bit louder or, or walking a little bit stronger. And what happens 
in truth is, <clears throat> excuse me, your happiness becomes intolerable because their unhappiness can't tolerate your happiness. You see? So uh, what happens is they start to just move you. <laughs> they kind of ease you out of the picture. It's like ego easing God out. So you become the deity of that environment or the reflection of, of such deity. And they want to ease you out so they can continue to encrust and crystallize themselves in the old modeling of their old ego. Right. So <clears throat> that a lot of times happens with blood family. A lot of times it, it happens with old friends, you know, um, you know, and it, it forces you to kind of take a hard look and ask some real questions around who is my family, you know, and who are my friends? You know, those are very important things that you may find yourself asking in, in those moments, you know, but here's another important thing. Um, there's, there's two skills that can either, um, completely enhance your way and your walk, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're learning to grow and, and your new awareness or can totally shut things down. Uh, discernment, you hear that word a lot. And here's, here's one that you don't hear very often, but I tell people it's, it's extremely important. Discretion. Discernment and discretion. And, you know, your discernment is your ability to separate what's real from what's not, or really your ability to see what you're actually seeing or see the truth of what it is that you're, you're actually seeing. You know, that's an important thing. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of times when you are starting out and again, your growth and then your walk, um, anyone that you feel a level of kinship to or a level of closeness to or maybe even a level of attraction for, you will kind of automatically assume that they're a part of your spiritual family. You see, because you may not have that ability to really discern what's really going on just yet. You see, and you'll say, okay, well, this individual, I feel such a kinship for this. And I I hear sometimes students say that all the time. I hear them talk about sometimes other students like that. And I don't tell them, but I know sometimes they feel that kinship or that closeness because of a sickness that's in them that I'm still working through in them. So <clears throat> there may be another student who's battling with selfishness or um, or maybe not battling with it. <laughs> it's just selfish. And then there'll be another student say, you know, I really like so-and-so. I really feel close to so-and-so. Well, because your your family is selfish. Your blood family is selfish. So you're very familiar with that vibe and you automatically assume because you feel this sense of familiarity with this person because of what you've come up in, that this person must be a part, you know, or must be like a, a, an essential player in my, my spiritual family. And really you can only, obviously that's wrong. You know, these kind of ideas are wrong, but, um, you know, you have to be able to know the difference and, and kind of see that distinction, um, between the truth that someone is representing within your journey and if you just feel a personal affinity towards someone and thinking that they represent a part of that new spiritual kinship 
And again, <clears throat> excuse me, that comes from doing the work that comes from coming in like a child, you know, and the discernment begins to grow because you start to see the contrast when you allow that spirit of truth to enter you and flood you out. You see, that's the key. When you allow that process to happen, now the contrast and the duality becomes far more distinct. It's similar to like when you when you change your, your dietary habits. You'll find that um, certain things that you would enjoy every day, you go to eat it or you go to drink it and say, whoa, this is too much. You know, uh, lay off of sugar for even 10 days. Let's say 10 to 20 days or a month. And then <clears throat> try to drink something like... A, uh, well, like 7-Eleven sells like Slurpees or, you know, or even a soda maybe. Try to drink a soda or, or something that you used to drink before that, that was sweet, but maybe you didn't think it was too sweet. Uh, um, what's the name of those things? Cinnamon bun. You know, something like that that's just, you know, pure sugar. It's just sugar, you know, or a um, glazed donut or something like that. And then now you have a better distinguishing because you have such strong contrast between one and the other. And that's what helps you to discern what's actually going on. <clears throat> you know, it's very important to understand this too, that while you're searching for that spiritual grouping and that spiritual, you know, clan, they're searching for you. And I know that may be a hard thing to imagine, especially if you're having um, maybe some, some insecurities about who or what you are and what you bring into a space. But you got to understand they need you like you need them. And if you've really been developing and growing at the levels that you're supposed to and you're being guided to, you, you're going to come to your plateaus with your spiritual family around the same time. And what happens is that <clears throat> once you start to make connections, if you fail or you stumble, they're going to fail and stumble too. You see, um, in fact, your entire grouping will be held back by your stumbling. You see, when you've made that linkage and that connection, you know, it's 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 I don't want to say it's funny, but sometimes, you know, like when you're growing any organization or when you're moving in. And I've been moving in this organization for a long time. I knew um, through different iterations. There have been so many people who've come and gone. I can't even remember everybody. At this point, I can't remember everybody who's left. Right. Because that's just a part of of what happens, especially as you go from plateau to plateau. <clears throat> but no one's ever left. That's caused the organization to stumble. And I, and through years of going through this in my experience, I share that wisdom with people when people leave or there's fallouts and people say, oh, no, you know, I'm disappointed. And Alex, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. This. They weren't supposed to be here. Don't sweat it. You know, it doesn't mean, again, that you have to deny them or, you know, reject them. You may reject some of their behaviors because you recognize, okay, they were here at one moment and maybe they were a part of what this is. It could have been some people are in and they're just straight headaches from the beginning. You know, from the from the very beginning, you, you can't trust them. They're duplicitous. There's so many things happening. But even that, the presence of that helps everyone else to grow. So there's a reason that people are in that space, and it's the same thing with your blood family. You may say, well, my, well, they were mean, and they were this and that, and they were that. 
but there was a reason. But you'll find that their stumbles and their failures won't necessarily cause you to stumble with them. You see, and that's a that's an important thing that you have to look at. But you, you begin to see how critical those relationships are and your responsibility in receiving the knowledge from your leadership. Because if you have six people in your in your spiritual family and all five are open and receptive and receiving the knowledge and applying it and, and, and getting better discernment and looking at the contrast between the old life and the new life or the secular world, the spiritual world, let's say, for example, and you decide you don't want to receive because you know everything already. You know, everything that's brought to you, well, I didn't really learn anything that I didn't, I already knew that, you know, or, you know, you want to be the teacher in every moment and never, you, you, you assume and presume this level of, of, of maturity in your stage that's truly not there. And, but these people are really your spiritual family. Let's say like you're really, you are supposed to listen. So your ability to grow and learn now will slow everyone up. Or you, it's not your inability. Your unwillingness to grow and learn will now slow everybody up, you see. And, again, that's a very common thing that happens. But, again, when, when the person is not really a part of the Some people never truly devote themselves. They never truly buy in. So they're not, when they leave or they're removed, it doesn't really make any difference, in all honesty. They may try to make it a difference. Some people like to go out with a bang. <laughs> but it really doesn't make any difference because it really was never a buy-in to begin with. They they kind of always had what they wanted it to be or had their agenda or whatever. And, and you know, you can tell that. As from a leadership perspective, I already always know. I'm never off in this on who's going to stay, who's going to leave, you know, who's going to buy in, who's not going to buy in, who's here for their own personal agenda who's here because they're really committed to the values and the principles of building this kingdom. You know that already, regardless of what they say, regardless of, you know who's who, you know. So, and it doesn't mean you got to have anything against them or anything, but you have to, some people don't realize that the gift of sight and discernment that's endowed upon a leader and also the amount, like I always say, you got to look at where people have come from. The amount of years that have gone into them developing that eye and, de- and developing that that discernment, you know, and <clears throat> I tell you, one of the things that really keeps people from being able to grow and expand at that level is um, they don't want to sacrifice. See, when we talk about being separate, you know, and pulling yourself out of the world, being separate from the from the secular structure or Babylon. It's not so much about what you gain as it is about what you are willing to leave behind. You see, that's really the key. And and that's the key that many people don't want to, they don't want to deal with that. You know, growing and expanding to this level is more about what you sacrifice and leave than all the knowledge and the books and then this and then that that you gain and take on. Or how long you let your hair grow. Now I'm going to let my hair grow. I'm going to let my beard grow. I'm going to let my armpit hair grow. And not, you know, I'm gaining all of this. That, that's not what separates you. What separates you is what you cut yourself off from. You see? And <clears throat> what also is when you start to get to that greater stage or that greater plateau, 
you kind of emerge in that space where you you slowly begin to recognize that you're part of a greater order of life. It's not just about you and you bragging about all the gifts you have and, and I could do this and I'm this and I bring this and I bring that, you know, because your your spirit is so small. Your ego is so fragile that you just got this tiny little spirit, you know, that you, you need all of this praise and you need all of this ego stroking and so forth and so on. But you start to realize that there is a there is a larger spiritual state and a larger spiritual family. <coughs> um, but, you know, in your natural state, and that's why I use the term natural family, you know, there will be times where you'll seek affinity with the secular environment, because in your natural or blood state with your family, you know, your blood family, you sought affinity with them. But when you start to move into a place where you're gaining and you're recognizing um, the spiritual family, you'll find a more complete affinity because the purpose of that spiritual family aligns itself and their message, it corresponds with your own. So that's that's a that's a beautiful thing. Even in your mating, I mean, we'll get into that another time. I'm not gonna, you know, I knew this was gonna, <laughs> I knew this was gonna be a longer segment, you know, than usual because there's a lot to really cover. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm mentally organizing my thoughts, but trying to make it as succinct as possible. But, you know, <clears throat> the thing is to understand that if you live at the crust of the life experience or you live an unexamined life and you're just kind of floating along the surface, usually you're, you're, you're dominated by your thoughts. You're dominated by your beliefs. And it's, it's very difficult for you to conceptualize that there is a greater comprehension or greater understanding. Um, And what happens is that you begin to assign the positions of spiritual family to anyone you feel a resonance with or you have a great attraction for, they become your spiritual family. And that's just because you're living in a very surface level kind of way. And see, and all of this is related to discernment. You have the surface and then you have the depths and that creates a certain contrast. And when you're, when you're unwilling to explore that contrast, then of course, it, it, your depth of feel or your perception of depth of feel is, is completely off. So you haven't experienced that deeper relationship and experience of a spiritual family because you, you haven't taken on the greater values of the purpose and the greater values of the truth and let them become living inside of you. <coughs> now, the other thing, excuse me, one second. Some water. Um, so now you have this, also this idea of, like I said, discernment is a key one, discretion, right? And I would say in your development, discretion would probably come before discernment because discretion is, is basically, you know, when you have wisdom of what to say and the rhythmic timing of when you should say it. Okay, just just to make it simple. Um, you no longer find yourself um, governed or ruled 
by your need to always express yourself to kind of deflect from your senses, from, from your insecurity or your personal sense of inadequacy. <clears throat> so with discretion, like you're, you, you have a rhythm and a knowledge of knowing when to say something or, you know, or knowing what to say. And in between that time, you're silent. That's the key. There's silence in between that because you start to get a better um, appreciation and a better awareness of the value of, of words and how words can, can be, words are your bond. And that bond will commit you to certain things that you may not want to be committed to. So you learn to use them in a very cautious manner. And, you know, you learn to be strategic in how you place your words, not for deceptive purposes. Because you got to realize that people see right through that. Some people think they're so crafty and so slick. But usually the people who think they're really crafty and slick with their words are usually the most unintelligent. And, of course... They didn't, most a lot of unintelligent, slick people never imagine that someone smarter than them, smarter than them, and sees right through them. They, they can never imagine that because everyone else is dumb. <laughs> everyone else in the world is dumb, and they never realize that. No, actually, you're the dumb one. That's that's the thing. You're the one that's that's not that smart. You know so. They they think that there's some kind of wordsmith and they're putting things in a certain way, but they're really just being deceptive. And people can see through that deception, you know. Um, but when you start to allow that truth to live in you and you're moving in that, you come to an awareness that your words are forces and deities all by themselves. And and once you express them and you breathe them out of out of your oral cavern, you know, they go further than you would have gone. They travel, you know, you can you can shout something or holler something across a lake or across a canyon. And it will get to the other side quicker than you. And it just keeps on traveling. And you are accountable for what you say. If you decide that you want to <coughs> um, curse and, and swear to certain things, um, across a cabin, across a, a river, and you don't see someone on the other side. And then when you pull out your binoculars and look and you see there's a group of children on the other side, you're accountable for what those children heard and the effect that it may have, have had on them. And as you begin to gain, to gain what we call power or strength or ashe or chi in your spiritual way and walk, your words become even more powerful. So you learn in that sense to... You learn patience and <clears throat> you learn how to time things before you say important things or you make uh, decisions or choices that would be considered important. And when you start finding yourself within a sane and balanced spiritual family, you'll even seek counsel from, from the wise ones of the way of knowledge within that family. You see? Um, so... It's always important that when you're selecting your circles and you're putting your circles and your family together, that you're doing it based on those who are able to participate with you and, and join in with you in what you consider to be the most critical, important aspects of your life. And you use that criteria as opposed to using affinity and attraction, because then you'll be surrounded by a bunch of people who you can't really tell what you're involved in 
or what you're committed to or anything like that. <clears throat> you know, um, one of the important things, too, when you're, when you're you're seeking that spiritual family or you're recognizing that there's an evolving and there's a growth, a lot of times you'll you'll look for moments of, of quiet instead of moments of, of, of stimulation. You know, um, you're a lot more interested in someone who's who's truthful than someone who's charming. You know, you're you're um, you're looking for uh, truth affinity that you have with someone or spiritual, true spiritual and soulful affinity over an attraction that you might have with someone. You know, you're looking to be infilled with spirit more than you're looking to be entertained, you know, um, and you're looking for the core reason and rhyme and purpose of things instead of looking for an escape. You see, those are things that you can you can use to kind of put on your scale, you know, to, to make better sense of why you're looking for certain things, what you're looking for. You find yourself always wanting to be entertained, always looking for escapes, you know, always wanting to be charmed, always wanting to be stimulated. It lets you know that you're still dealing with that old circular, lower, secular, excuse me, lower vibration. But anyone who's seeking to move towards that that better plateau is going to find themselves in in what I call the wilderness experience or the desert experience. I kind of make them synonymous sometimes (coughs) with one another, but you'll find yourself um, in those places where you're you're going to have to be alone for a little bit. And when you come out of those environments, that's when you find your most important and purposeful companions in life. But inside of the desert or inside of the forest or inside of the wilderness, you find great danger, you know, <clears throat> because in there you find um, environment that doesn't have definition. And so within yourself, sometimes we have a tendency to kind of um, define or or want to impose our ideas on a new experience. And that's a huge, huge misstep that a lot of people make, a huge misstep, you know, because what people are essentially doing in that moment is they're trying to extend and transcribe over their past life into their present life. You know, I've I've heard people do this all the time. You know, they come into our new and you could they they just won't take anything new in because they feel like, well, I already know about all that. Everything you took, I already know about that. I know about that, you know, and usually those people don't know anything. And there's a reason why they don't know anything because they won't take anything in. They, They won't allow themselves to humble enough to become like babies and children again to take in that new and needed information. So. It's a lot of times, <clears throat> excuse me, that the time in the wilderness that allows for you to kind of move through an environment that doesn't have definition and doesn't have um, the tolerance, <laughs> I'll say the tolerance, for you to kind of project your ideas and your definitions on it, you know. And you can recognize this a lot in people. Some people make these very large and huge assumptions about the celestial kingdom and about the divine and about the the presence and and you know the attendance that the divine has in their lives and <clears throat> those proclamations about their abilities and 
you know, I'm a, I'm a prophet, I'm a prophetess, or I'm a priestess, and I'm a queen, and I'm a this, and I'm a that. And, you know, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just a practitioner of these arts. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a witch, I'm a warlock, you know? And, um, the reality is that <laughs> they, they're thinking they're at the end of something, like they've arrived at the destination point, and they're really just beginners, just like you. They're just beginners, but they'll kind of be stuck to that, you know, because they never want that wilderness experience that makes them vulnerable. In the wilderness, you're vulnerable, you see. I have this, this habit, this thing I do, and I still like to do it. I sleep in the woods a lot. <clears throat> without a tent, no sleeping bag, a lot of times just my knife. And I started doing that um, many, 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 many years ago when I was a young, young man, <clears throat> you know, and it's just something I enjoy doing. You know, I enjoy the exhilaration of it, you know, and yeah, there's a risk in it and, you know, may not be the smartest thing, but I've always kind of looked at tents in a way like if a bear wants to maul me, <laughs> You know, this umbrella material is not going to stop them. So what's the difference? But, you know, I've always just, for me personally, enjoyed that experience. But in that moment, I'm just like an animal in the woods. Or I'm just like the, the plant kingdom in the, in the sense that I'm vulnerable to the movements of life. You see? And <clears throat> I may be careful in that environment, but I'm, I'm not going to be afraid. You know, I'm going to probably move a little bit more slowly. I'm going to observe more things around me. I'm not going to condemn anything. And I'm going to take um, some time to deliberate on all of my decisions. If, if I have the moment, you know, to, to kind of take that time. But I'm going to make sure I'm not really in a hurry. And I'm going to learn what I need to learn in a solid and reliable way by doing it and learning these things patiently. You see? So you can take that same analogy and apply it to life because when you're going into the forest or the, or the wild or, again, the desert, like I said, I, I make them all synonymous with each other. Um, <clears throat> you're now confronting life without the assumptions that you would normally put on life because you have to learn the environment. And the mystery and the secrets of, of what life is are there, but you've never really experience them for more than just a, a flash. But now when you're in the wilderness experience, the forest experience, and you, you're in that quiet solitude, and I'm not saying literally you got to be in a forest or the wilderness. I just like to do that because it, you know, it just, it, it has a, a similar effect. But <clears throat> in that moment, you're living in that moment and you're feeling that moment and you're responding to it. And it's, yeah, there's, there's, um, there's an adrenaline rush. It can be exhilarating because it's there's there's some fright. <laughs> you know, there's an adrenaline rush, but it's frightening at once, and it can be very precious and very risky. You know, but if you have a sincere heart in that environment, you can kind of negotiate your traveling and, and your movement and, and your navigating in that space successfully. And <clears throat> there are so many people who will just give up. You know, they won't even really make it into the wilderness. Like I said, they'll wait in the bleachers or they'll wait at the campsite, you know, um, and they'll claim that, yeah, I made it to the other. Yeah, I, I slept out in the woods. I was there, which you didn't see me. You know, they'll claim that they made it to the destination, 
but they really they really haven't and or they'll make <clears throat> certain assumptions about their capacity because they think they've already come far enough without realizing realizing how much is still left you know how much further there truly is to go you know um and again a lot of times this is a result of people who can't take in leadership which is a big thing you know um your your educative or educational leadership and your shepherds are given to you by the creator just like your spiritual family is given to you by the creator you see but some people just refuse to receive they refuse to be led regardless of what they say they always have excuses as to why oh i was over here that didn't work out i was over there i didn't work out this that 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 your family the same thing <clears throat> you know they'll laugh at you and they'll scoff at you because you've committed yourself to some teaching somewhere you know or to someone who's leading you into a better way or you say yeah this our new thing i want to live it through and through i really like what it represents i like the values I like the changes it has in my life. It's bringing me closer to to the source, bringing me close, closer to Yah, bringing me closer to, you know, where it is that I come from. And the truth is, you know, p- your family may begin to despise you because of the fact that they have no shepherd, because they have no leadership. So they despise you, but they won't come under the leadership that you're under because of their, their arrogance. You see, and the thing is, when they when they speak ill of you, you know, and they antagonize you, the best thing you could do is just continue to let your life be a model of your words or be a, or be a demonstration and a portrayal of your your words. That's all you have to do, you know. <clears throat> and again, you have to be open to your wilderness experience because in that experience, you become receptive to information, you know. Um, you become reliant on the information. So you don't really have that in the urban, in the city. You can learn something and still just continue to go with the structure. But in the wilderness, when someone says, don't eat those berries, you become reliant on being able to identify those berries or they may they may kill you. You know, So you become a lot more respectful of some of the, the dangers that exist in your journey, but also the great opportunities that exist in your, in your journey. And then you, you tend to become a bit more authentic with your inner dialogue and more authentic with the dialogue and the exchange that you have with other people. You don't mind <laughs> appearing confused at times. You don't mind appearing foolish at times. You know, you ever <clears throat> go through a hot area and have too many clothes on and start taking them off and you got things tied around your waist and tied around your head. You're like, I don't care. I'm hot, you know. Or you're in a cold place and you didn't dress appropriately and you're figuring out different kind of ways to layer up. So you don't necessarily have this problem with looking confused or or looking like you don't know anything. Um, that's a very important thing, you know, um, and you're not seeking to run from the elements. You're not seeking to run from life. You're not closing yourself off off to that or to the bounty of ideas that will, will come. Um, because again, when you assume that you have achieved a level of regality, you know, remember like you talk about a crown. I think I did a, a segment on the crowns of seven rays before, <clears throat> you know, a long time ago. But, you know, the crown originally was supposed to represent, I mean, it's two different kinds of crowns. You had the crowns that were the horned crown, 
which represented one thing that was the bull energy or the cosmic bull. That's a whole nother story. And then you had the crown that represented the rays of the sun. That's what each, you know, point around the crown represent. But those were achieved through knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. You then earned your crown. But when you assume and you presume and you proclaim that you have something that you that you don't have, then you receive what's called a crown of thorns. And that false information or those false proclamations become your own pain in that sense. You know, sense. <clears throat> so it's important that when you're going through this journey, and I know this has been a long segment, but I'm giving it to you for free. Just take it. I'm not apologizing for a long segment. In fact, I'm saying here, you got a beautiful long segment, right? So um, when you when you think about <clears throat> where you're traveling in your journey, always move without conclusion. That's, that's one of the most valuable you can, things you could do. You learn to develop your abilities by being that beginning student, and you stay within that space of, of a student who's always reliable on the things that they learn, on the knowledge that they come in, into. And if you can do those things with authenticity and with you know genuineness, you can make it through your, your, your wilderness experience. Um, but the key is you can't have presumptions about yourself or presumptions about life. You know, um, if you do, you won't be able to recognize the dangers or the opportunities that lie you know, on the path, if you say, if, if you want to say the path ahead. Um, <clears throat> but if you learn to become reliant upon one or reliant upon knowledge, I'm saying the number one, and you become reliant upon the knowledge not only in yourself, but the knowledge within others, then now you can build that foundation. Remember, knowledge is the building blocks of the universe. So you can build that foundation for proper decision making that foundation where your decisions will now be sound. They'll be effective. They'll be lasting. Um, and if you can move without always seeking for definition in everything or to define everything or, or really <clears throat> portraying or demonstrating some philosophy about everything and all these high ideas and, and these low horrific fears of everything, and allow your mind or your brain rather to be suspended in the moments that you go through, then your mind will begin to locate and compass you back to knowledge and it will bring your brain along. You see, because what happens is the greater mind or your consciousness, if you want to use that term, it will begin to recognize that it must serve and that it can only serve. You see, so it when it comes into that place, and this is a sign again of you now coming to that plateau of your spiritual family, um, you'll want to serve because you're becoming more like the serving that the creator does and offers. So you want to serve others and you want others to serve you and your journey and on your road. So that's when you start to look at the family around what purpose and what value and spirit are these people serving in you, your blood family, your friends, those from your old life. And sometimes, like I said, again, there may be some who are, you think you're in your new life, <laughs> quote unquote, but you're, you're calling for people that you have the wrong affinities for. So they're still really keeping you technically in your old life. There really hasn't been that rebirth that there needs to be. And there's no real sacrifice. You know, you haven't 
given up on your assumptions. You haven't given up on your presumptions. You haven't given up on your ideas. And now you find yourself facing what you shouldn't face. You know, um, there's a faith that we begin to develop in our spiritual family, our real family, our spiritual friends. And, you know, at some point you will understand, you will understand what you're doing. You won't always be kind of like so reliant on the moment and the new experiences, but you have to remember that you're not going to be able to do it alone. You're not. And when, when you walk in the wilderness, you walk alone, but you're really walking to find out who's walking with you. And I want you to reflect on that. Okay. <clears throat> and again, I know this, this segment has gone over. Uh, that's why I didn't I didn't do one um, on Sabbath. Like I know, like I have been. I think past three strongs I've been able to do on Sabbath, but I just didn't have the extra time. I knew I knew this one was going to need a little extra time, and um, I didn't I didn't have the moment to do it. So willfully, you know, uh, on this second day of the strong, uh, it will serve you, and you'll be able to reflect, and you'll be able to consider. Uh, what's being said? I have a couple other subjects I want to bring to you uh, when I get some 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 moments in between. It's just a lot going on. Um, I I want to reiterate um, for those of you interested in the, in the ministry, go to anulifeglobal.org. I've been getting a lot of questions about Chief. I want to work with you, Chief. I want to be a part of what you're a part you're 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 doing. <clears throat> There's a spiritual family that's forming and being refined already. Okay, so um, it's not about being reliant upon me. It's not about that. I may be the shepherd and the chief of this experience and of this movement, but that's only one role. There's many other roles, (laughs) you know. So uh, for those of you looking to come in, you may see me or hear me the most because, you know, I may do the podcast and things like that when I get moments. Um, But there are so many other people that keep this experience going on you know um i don't even know when we do ministry calls i don't even know the numbers off the top of my head i didn't you know i don't know you know there's people who do know them off the top of their head and and the codes to call in and everything so there's there's people who are keeping other things going you know so <clears throat> like i said don't think i'm doing this alone now i may move through the wilderness and move through the desert alone but i know that i'm not alone that's my own that's my own that's my own revelation for my journey right and you have one for yours as well so you know like i said again anulifeglobal.org um you know as far as the women who have applied uh for anu womb we will be in march is when we will be reviewing and and reaching out and contacting those who, um, who can, who we're accepting into the orientation phase. And, um, you know, it's, I want you to think about that when you're answering the questions on, on your questionnaire, you know, uh, it's just not, you fill it out and you're in. No, you know, um, your responses are, (coughs) are read and, and considered and deliberated upon and reflected on and the energy that you come with, you know, because again, like I said, this is a refining process and 
Some people don't make it all the way through the forest. They make it halfway, go back to the campsite, or they sit at the road. They, they pitch their, their tent, you know, on the side of the road underneath the street light, and they hitch a ride to the, around the forest and say, yeah, yeah, I was there. I was there with you, you know. So um, it's a refining process. That's all. And, you know, this may not be the spiritual family for you. It doesn't mean that one doesn't exist, but this may not be uh, your spiritual family. So. Always keep that in keep that in mind, but you'll only discern, learn that through your ability of discerning by allowing yourself to be shepherded, to lot to allow yourself to be led. You see, that's an important thing, and especially for you women, having a mate, allowing yourself to be ruled. Mm. How many people just now hit backspace? They were filling out that application. What did he just say? Ruled. Mm-mm. <laughs> like I said, this may not be the family for you. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, you know, I will that everyone has a, a great day today and um, that your heads are strong. You know, by your heads, I mean uh, you men, your heads are strong and you women, your bodies are strong. And <clears throat> you're manifesting the power that you've been endowed with and men, you're manifesting the consciousness that you've been endowed with. All right. So until next time, until next segment, uh, this is Chief Yuya signing out. And uh, again, like I said, March is when we'll be reviewing those applications uh, for the next cohort. So I advise you to, if you're if you're trying to get them in, get them in. <laughs> Don't wait till March first because I didn't say when in March. All right. So until next time, this is Chief Yuya, and um, you know. I will you all the best in peace and prosperity for those of you who are in alignment, staying in alignment, and working through your staging and working your way through the forest. We're on the other side. We're on the other side. We'll we'll guide you and we'll help to bring you through, but you got to do the work yourself. All right.